0: One of the, my favorite scenes was uh, when they were first deciding to let Saul go, and you have like the one hardcore sister who's like, "We can't let him abandon God," and blah blah blah. And then there's like the headmaster father, and he's pretty much just like, "Well, yeah, Jesus, but like, did you see those deeks? Like, God gave him a silky he for
2: something."
1: <laughs>
3: to a very special episode of, depending on where you're getting this podcast, one of two podcasts. Uh, This is either uh, Burritos and Other Less Important Things, aka Bowlet, a movie podcast that I do with my friends Nate and Zach. Hi, Nate. Hi, Zach. Hello. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) Or you're listening to Brews and Bruins, a podcast that I do with my friends Cam and Drew. Cam and Drew, how are you doing?
4: Wonderful. Excellent.
3: (laughs) Uh, all right, so this is going to be released on both feeds, but uh, structurally, it's an episode of Bowlet. Um, we're going to talk about... So it means it's way too long? Yep, it's going to be yeah, a little longer. Yeah, it's two we're episodes. Gonna, we're going to split it. <laughs> into... <laughs> well, only two people will
1: listen to it, so it's great. We'll have yeah. as many listeners uh, as ours. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, so yeah, we're going to split this into episodes. In In the first episode of Brews and Bruins... We're going to talk about the films Miracle, uh, Indian Horse, and Slapshot. And then we're going to take a break. And on Friday, you'll be able to hear us talk about Goon and Ice Guardians. Uh, If you're listening to Ballot, you can spoil that second part for yourself and just blow through the whole thing. Uh, Wouldn't recommend. But yeah. (laughs) Uh, So usually what we do on Brews and Bruins is we start by uh, introducing the drinks that we are drinking. Um, Let's skip the ratings this time just for, uh, you know, time purposes.
0: (laughs) Uh, Cam, why don't you lead us off? All right. We got uh, something from Cigar City Brewing. It is a, depending on how you pronounce it, either Paloma or Paloma goes. Uh, Refreshingly tart. It says it's got lime and salt in it. So, Feel like something light tonight, even though we're watching hockey movies. I got the thing that said like boat case. It was like a variety pack, so we're still living in the summer, even though
2: we're we're rating hockey movies today. <laughs> Just work your way through that whole case while we're. Uh, oh, I'm playing. I'm already a few And This is phenomenal, by the way. Actually, really refreshing. Amazing. All right, Zach, what are you? Uh, what are you going with? I am going with a Negroni, which is usually what I've done with uh, most ballot recordings, and it has always steered me wrong. So. <laughs>
3: Drew, how are you feeling? What are you uh, rolling? I'm with?
4: feeling good. I'm starting to catch on to the spooky season vibes, which is nice. Uh, I got a uh, pumpkin down east. Um, yeah, very nice, awesome. Thirty-seven,
3: thirty-seven. Uh great. Uh, Nate, what are you drinking? I am drinking. Uh, I got as a
1: as a belated wedding present uh, a thing of Blanton's single barrel bourbon. And it's oh, uh, way, way too fancy, and I, uh, <laughs> I feel wildly inappropriate using it on this podcast, but that's a red. So some, uh, a, a Blanton's meat.
3: Uh, would you describe to us uh, and the listeners what the cork of that bottle...
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's wealth. <laughs> the cork is, uh, if you know, like the Ralph Lauren polo, it's basically that, just on the top, like that logo. Uh, and the the rest of it is shaped like a sort of a a hexagonal orb of some kind so is it like um, an star yeah something <laughs> I would never spend money on myself but it's really <laughs> lovely to have it so yeah
2: not bad. yeah I think that top just was uh, cited in the Pandora papers this past week so yeah.
3: <laughs> um, I have a Coronado Brewing Company weekend vibes IPA um, it is monday <laughs> illegal <laughs> true um, it is
2: monday and i am not happy that it's monday <laughs> <laughs> i just i like that as it would have been better as it is monday and i am not happy
3: that also true <laughs> um so uh yeah do we want to go around the horn and kind of do why we picked each of our
2: films i i think we should probably start with just how we feel about hockey in general. Let's do like that. That's, that's kind of important where, where the three hockey folk can start and then us idiots can join in after. Yeah. Drew, why don't you lead us off?
4: Uh, just like w- w- about hockey in general. Um, yeah. You
2: start from the
3: beginning. So, uh, the beginning.
4: The very first organized indoor hockey game started with a fight. Um, I'll get to that later <laughs> yeah, in, my defense, in, my, uh, in my defense of uh, a very, very long documentary that's too long. for <laughs> that topic. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, no, it's just an amazing game. I love the butterfly effect of it. I think it's more active in that game than any other sport uh, where just the little things are so important in the outcome um, and the flow of it. Not a lot of stoppages, just constantly go, go, go. Um, yeah, I've I've just always loved watching the sport. I don't play it at all, but just uh, you know, street hockey. I'm a I'm an expert rollerblader and I'm a good skier and I can't I have never ice skated, so which is basically those together. I totally could, but yeah, no, just have always grown up loving the sport from afar.
3: Cam on the other hand.
4: Bobby Orr. Yeah. More likely.
0: <laughs> no, I definitely wouldn't say that. Um I'll tip my hand a little bit here and say that one of the things that I think Drew's movie actually did get right was the uh, part where they talked about the kind of the adrenaline that is kind of natural when you're playing at such a high speed and hockey is a sport where there's a lot of room for individual greatness, but also team creativity. And you kind of have to have both to succeed. And then when you're doing that, you know, that's present in a lot of sports, but then when you, when you're doing it at 30 miles an hour, it's a little bit more intense naturally when you're, Playing or watching, so I think that's the uh, the biggest draw for hockey for me. But as far as what it means, that's that's a long book that we don't need to dive into right now.
4: <laughs> we'll leave that for Doc Emmerich. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, a, exactly. The soliloquy.
3: Yeah, I kind of I, I kind of adopted hockey a little later in life than than most devout hockey fans, but um, for me, it, it really was the the high speed kind of nonstop action that that drew me in um and what kept me is uh just masochism um it's the most Fuck yeah. an annoying sport to watch it's anything can happen your team can be the best team on the ice for the entire game and still lose um it's it's maddening and
2: i don't know why i watch it but i love it <laughs> perfect uh I think I would probably describe myself as an extremely fair weather fan of hockey. I will watch the Bruins occasionally, usually in the playoffs. Uh, I love going to hockey games. I think it's probably one of, if not the most fun sport to see live. I got to grow up uh, in Um UMass or in Amherst where UMass is and went to a bunch of um, hockey games there and have been to a couple in the city. Always super fucking fun, but I just can't find myself to follow this sport along too much, but whenever it's on, I like watching it. It's pretty fun.
1: Yeah. For me, uh, it traces back sort of to two separate things, which were uh, D2, the Mighty Ducks was a, a constant staple in the house and uh, NHL Hits was a, <laughs> a, a game that I was pretty obsessive yeah, about was... uh, when I was younger. Um, and, and so from those, obviously, like I, I always felt interested in the the idea of the sport and you know doing like uh, having a stint of doing a lot of rollerblading and stuff like that i felt like that sort of put me in the same lane but i never really followed it actively other than going to some games during college and going to some games at umass um similar type of thing um getting probably uh, too inebriated and you know shouting that we I, I have a very distinct memory of getting very drunk and Thinking it was a good idea to yell, to have a whole crowd yell "Safety School" at the school that was beating us by ten <laughs> in one game, <laughs> as a way to feel better at ourselves. Um, so yeah, I. But uh, it's it's one of, and I think this will probably come up, but it's one of the movies that I think has certainly one of the highest ceilings for for uh, films when you think about sort of the way a specific sport translates to a film. There are certain sports that translate really well. There's certain sports that kind of like gain a lot from uh, from being on film. There's certain sports that I think lose something when they're sort of flipped over to to movies. And hockey is one that I think has both a very high ceiling and a pretty high floor um, in terms of sort of cinema and how it translates. Um, Some of the movies that we'll talk about today, notwithstanding.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like you specifically did not describe most of the movies that we picked for (laughs) For this. Yeah. Um, one of the movies that
3: we picked that does kind of hit those high highs, uh, Cam chose. Cam, want to run through, like, I don't think you really need to describe too much why you chose the movie Miracle, but that was your choice.
0: Oh, why I chose Miracle. All right. Um, <laughs> oh, man, that's a long one, I guess. But I guess uh, to, to give a somewhat concise version, I think it, A, is a, is a movie that really displays hockey very well, which is kind of something that that Nate was just talking about. I think that has sort of the higher ceiling as far as uh, displaying hockey in like a somewhat realistic sense and giving it that kind of quick feel that you that you feel when you're on the ice. Uh, One of my favorite facts about Miracle is that they tried to decide between teaching acting actors how to play hockey and hockey players how to act and they decided to take the hockey players and teach them how to act with the exception of uh, Jimmy Craig, the actor who plays the goalie, because they could throw a mask on a stunt double pretty much and have him play goalie <laughs> and <laughs> so they Snag, the guy who ends up being in Friends. Um, but I think that decision is was so important because it's a movie that so centrally obviously focuses on hockey. And I think a lot of movies kind of use hockey as a a side note or something. But I think it's very clear that uh, the directors and such made the decision to like really focus on the sport as a central part of the movie, and and I think they really nailed that. So I think that propels it to the upper echelon of uh, of most sports movies, along with a few other things. But we'll get there. Yeah. yeah so
2: it, it speaking took of... the uh, the Armageddon way, where it taught uh, oil uh, drillers how to uh, go to <laughs> space instead of astronauts how to dig uh, dig for oil, makes so, so yeah. much sense. So yeah, speaking of movies that uh, made hockey the
3: side thing, uh, Zach, why did you pick Indian Horse?
2: Uh, I don't really know. um <laughs> I think it was one of the... I, I googled, like, best hockey movies of all time, I think, and it, you know, slashed. You found it, like, <laughs> 12 pages over on Google? Yeah, it was... Well, it was a, a smaller a smaller film that came out, um, what, in, like, 2016? Something like that? 17. Uh, 17, yeah. 2017. I looked it up. Yeah, yeah. and it, it like... It got some, like, festival love and, you know seemed like an interesting concept focusing on um, the Canadian Native American residential school system and and hockey within that so the the like the synopsis seemed pretty intriguing uh, I think we can you know talk about what actually ended up happening from the movie uh, as far as how effective that was but I think the idea behind it was what um, pulled me into it yeah reasonable
3: um Nate uh I have a really good idea of why you chose slapshot but why don't you go ahead and uh give us uh the actual story yeah paul newman yep <laughs>
1: <laughs> and next um, yeah, it's paul newman it's uh, the director who directed uh, the this thing and um uh which cassidy in the sundance kid um, spoiler
3: for myla keith
1: yeah right <laughs> there you go so um so yeah, this you know was was right in the pocket for me, and was one of those movies that uh, had been on the watch list for a long time, and this was a great reason to watch it.
3: All right, so uh, my story is a little different. I chose Young Blood. It turns out you would have had to like buy a DVD if you wanted to watch it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, in retrospect, probably should have picked Red Army, which is a a documentary about the russian national team but uh didn't think on my feet enough and and instead up going you got sean william scott <laughs> it was, who i don't think is the problem with that movie uh <laughs> certainly not um well i mean not the not the chief problem the, the the movie is goon um it's i i've seen it before uh so i and i <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the criteria yeah, I, well, I I remembered I remembered liking <laughs> it when I saw it so figured it was a a decent addition in place of Youngblood which I don't know a whole lot about Youngblood other than it's Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze and there's a lot of really bad hockey in it and I was really intrigued by that. Um so Drew you picked Ice Guardians uh why? <laughs> um <laughs> um
4: because Miracle Slapshot, yeah, Miracle and Slapshot were taken. Those were and my top two. Indian Horse, <laughs> I had never heard of Indian Horse other than other than before. I even heard that was one that we had to watch. I saw it pop up on Netflix as like suggested. I was like, wait, there's a hockey movie on Netflix that I haven't seen. Oh my god. Um, and then it worked out, so I was forced to watch it. It was kind of like an idea that I would watch it at some point in my life, and then it became that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I like the documentary side of things. I think it shakes it up. I admit it's very, very long, but uh, I don't know. I think it raises a it, lot of good it's points. It's
2: not that long. It's, an, it's, it's not two even two long. hours.
4: It's not two hours? I thought no, it was like two and a half.
2: 108 it's, minutes. it's 108 oh. minutes. Yeah. It's,
3: yeah. it's pretty long. It just feels... It feels like really so much longer. See, they,
4: because they go too in depth and break things up too much. I think there's a lot of they could have just skimmed over. It could be like an hour, and like it would have done everything enough justice. But uh, yeah. despite its length, I think it's good, and I will defend it when we get there.
3: All right, that's gonna take some work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, Cam's having some technical difficulties. I think um, so. We'll uh we'll move on to our discussion about miracle without him. <laughs> no, we can't do that. I'm, I'm, a different I'm, here. I'm just trying You're to turn my hour. camera off so that it uh, oh, so that it
0: hopefully uses less internet and yeah. guys come in clear. So we'll see how it works. <laughs> I seeing.
4: think it's your download speed, not your upload speed.
3: Yeah, so I feel like most people are familiar with what miracle is, but it's the story of the nineteen eighty uh, USA hockey team, the Miracle on Ice. Um, I'd say Oh, it was 2004, um, Disney movie, um, kind of in the same vein as, uh, remember the Titans kind of doing like a dramatization of a real life thing. I think remember the Titans probably took a few more liberties, but, um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, it's Kurt Russell, uh, playing Herb Brooks, uh, a guy from Minnesota. <laughs> and it's a fucking awesome performance uh yeah i mean uh anyone want to jump in with initial thoughts
4: um there's i'll just say briefly there's a lot going on in the world and country that makes sometimes when i question my patriotism i watch miracle and i like you know i want to like wear a I don't know, like a speedo with an American flag on it, and like an American flag cape, and fly around like Superman. Like it just—it oh. that's <laughs> all I needed to say.
2: When when I go to the gym, I just listen to the Al Michaels call at the end of the game. Pump <laughs> music, in miracles, yes. <laughs> um, I I had seen this movie, I think, right around when it came out, but hadn't revisited it until now um and I thought it held up like really well they don't really it's pretty straightforward you know there's some family stuff at home there's some you know side things about who's making the team and who's not but for the most part it's just a story of the the team going up into the Olympics and it does a very effective job about showing um what they were up against how uh how big of underdogs they were um they don't They touch on the geopolitical stuff, but it's not super, super heavy handed. Um, They, uh, you know, don't go too heavy into that. And then, you know, it's Kurt Russell who's in basically every single scene, you know, being a movie star. So uh, and like we talked about earlier, the actual hockey in this movie is incredibly well done and shot beautifully And makes you feel like you're actually watching hockey players rather than watching like shitty actors try and play hockey totally it i i think that the
1: and you were alluding to this zach but the the movie does such a good job of getting out of the way of the story like it uh the story is so compelling in and of itself that the movie does kind of and i mean this in the most complimentary way the bare bones in terms of uh trying to trick you into being invested in it, because it knows that it's the type of story that will kind of grab you. So it relies on the good performances. It relies on like a lot of really great hockey scenes Um, and like performances by people. And I think this is a, you know, potentially just a byproduct of the fact that they chose unseasoned actors for it, but there were unseasoned actors playing younger kids in a situation where they were kind of out of their depth. And that translates really well in a way that sometimes when you go the route of the uh, unseasoned actor, it doesn't always, sometimes they're just not able to carry the emotional burden of a thing. And with this, part of the emotional burden of the movie is the fact that they're young kids and they're kind of uh, tasked with something that is way more outsized and way more global than what they thought they were walking into. Um, I'll also just say more specifically that the like sequence of it works with most sports, but it comes up the most in hockey movies, I feel like. The listing your name and what city you're from thing down the line. I get like a fucking, it's like an adrenaline shot to the jugular every time. It's crazy how much that hits me always. It's in this, it's in the Mighty Ducks, it's in all. I just like, I really, it's really visceral, especially when they list any places from Minnesota.
3: Russ Tyler, Los Angeles, California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh i'll jump in and just kind of add to that but like i've seen this movie probably no less than 150 times and like every time in those last 20 minutes i'm like worried that like history is gonna shift and like they're somehow gonna lose (laughs) i'm gonna be so disappointed because this is the finally the time that like they lost i was like fuck like the whole movie's ruined forever um but kind of on that note like like sort of as you had mentioned this story is so compelling like in and of itself and obviously there's a few parts that are hollywooded up but for the most part like it's one of those like moments that when you're watching it happen in live sports, it's, it's too good to be true. And like, you know, you're like, Oh, if this happened in a movie, it wouldn't be realistic where it is like the, the group of kids, like a bunch of college players playing against like army soldiers essentially on the other side, they get their shit rocked by the team leading into the games. You know, the, the team just beat the NHL all-stars, the comebacks they had in pretty much every game. And then even like to the point of, scoring a last second goal in the, in the way that they did with literally a 10th of a second left on the clock that actually happened. And then the team captain, who is obviously a big part of the movie scoring the the go ahead goal against the Soviets, like all of that scripted so well, realistically that they like Nate had said, you didn't really have to deviate from the truth too much. Um, One of the parts, not to totally spoil it, but I I was curious how much they did Hollywood it up. And the, the one thing that I found that was a little bit unrealistic was in the, uh, the post Norway game when they're skating the the suicides essentially the Herbies as they call them um, they did do that for like forty five minutes after the game in the dark the whole you mean nine not yards seven um, hours <laughs> well yeah it was it was it was like a, about an hour I think or a little under uh, and they actually did turn the lights off on them and all that shit happened but it didn't end with the Mike Rizzioni. Uh, Rizzioni scene it yeah. it ended when right. another player smashed his stick on the glass. And then Herb let him go, which I kind of think is also badass in and of itself, but probably doesn't quite fit the theme of the Disney movie as well. So uh, I think it gives you a little more insight into the type of guy he really was, too, though. So I like that.
3: Yeah, I I would say probably the most unrealistic thing about this is the the lack of language. Uh, Herb Brooks was pretty famously a uh, a guy who swore like a sailor and definitely didn't, uh, you know, didn't tone things down for a disney movie but I, I do understand like if you're making this uh inspirational movie via disney uh you can't really lean too hard into that although although he did call a player a candy ass so <laughs> yeah, yeah that was
0: that was like the harsh disney line i'm sure back then so <laughs> good for them
1: that's what why it was they? rated pg-13 with the with the suicide scene, I did get caught on it this time. Cause like, that's like a secret. I've seen this, you know, probably four or five times over my life. And so that that scene is kind of like just emblazoned into my memory, but I didn't remember the the specifics of it. And I didn't remember that he just says Michael Ruzioni, like just says his name and nothing after it. <laughs> just and pause. then Herb, yeah, just waits. <laughs> and then Herb goes, and where are you from? And he's like, <laughs> Like like they had this, like, choreographed
2: dance to it. It was so waiting for the cue. My my, my other favorite thing is that Herb Brooks didn't have the whistle. I don't know if that's actually how it works, but it's like I am (laughs) am powerless to make them run another suicide if that other guy doesn't. (laughs) And that's the tension
1: in the scene if he's gonna blow the
2: whistle. It's like, uh, it's like in Crimson Tide (laughs) where they have to go through and like. Do the steps for decoding the message. I th-
4: I think it was uh like just stellar acting though. They were just like, can you like very very reluctantly blow a whistle? Like how well can you but portray dude, that feeling?
1: And he did. did it and many
4: times it was like it communicated the feeling well. <laughs>
1: His face acting in that scene is phenomenal. It's just like the <laughs> amount of like conflict he's sort of like going through. With, yeah, it's unbelievable. I wish they just
4: zoomed in more and more yeah, every time.
1: <laughs> it is, I mean, it's a really tough, like this, this movie is basically just propaganda against load management as a thing. It's like, if you do this, you beat <laughs> oh, the Russians. Absolutely. And like the reality, if they had gone actually as long as they showed it going, like it just would have been like blown out ACLs left and right.
3: Unbelievable stuff. Yeah, this, this movie is, uh, I think, ruined USA hockey for years following because they kept trying to build teams like this to beat Canada, who, you know, just put every great scorer in the NHL on their Olympic team. And uh, meanwhile, Boone Jenner's going to, uh, that's one for the hockey heads out there, uh, <laughs> going to the Olympics, trying to... Uh... Yeah, which well, Which Jenner well, is that?
2: Is it not Kylie? <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah, a, the younger one is Canadian okay, gotcha. anyway.
3: But the, just sending like uh, just guys who hit and don't really have any skill um, for, for years. There have been some coming really, up, some really bad uh, choices by the Team USA GMs in terms of uh, players. And I think you can trace a lot of that back to uh, the Miracle on Ice and probably some of the, that to this movie. <laughs> a little bit maybe yeah i do
0: have uh, i don't know how long we're gonna focus on miracle but i do want to throw and i have a little bit of a personal connection um being from upstate new york uh a i've gotten to play on the rink a couple times which definitely adds to my like obsession with the movie because it when you've seen it enough and you know when you're going to lake placid as a kid playing in a tournament like you always watch miracle on the way up there and you're ready to run through a wall and you get to the rink um but it it is cool kind of feeling that like energy there that you know it's obviously all made up to be uh designed around that event now and and there's shit all over the place about it which is kind of cool it's like a museum sort of in a way um but my mom was actually in Lake Placid during the games and had gone to a couple other hockey games but obviously was not at that game uh but she was like really young and she tells me she was in the car with like my grandfather and the streets were pretty packed and stuff but when the news hit the radios and stuff that the United States had like upset the Soviets she said like people were just getting out of their cars and like pretty much partying in the street and she was super young and was, like, terrified because she had no idea what was going on. And there were people just getting out of their cars and, like, near rioting the street. Um, but I was just
4: laughed at that, like, seeing what's going on, on the outside. So, I... Uh... Uh, Oh, uh, (laughs) I I just, well, all I said uh, was that it made me want to wear an American Speedo. So I wanted to, (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think I'd just be repeating if I said all the, like, it's just amazing kind of stuff. Um, But one thing I'll add is that I think it's really accessible. I think if you've never watched a hockey game before, you can follow along and you can get like just as into this kind of movie because like the hockey really, while the hockey is like both the main object of the movie, it is also kind of falls to the background where it's just, anyone can understand this huge struggle and like impossible odds and overcoming that. And for, you know, pride of the country. And I think that's what I think that's common in any sports movie that kind of goes down as a classic. That is, um, it's accessible to all, not just the diehard
2: sports fans. So I think it does that very, very well. And yeah. just hockey in general, you score one goal at a time and then time mm-hmm. runs out. You know, yep. it, it's, it's pretty easy to understand. Like they have more than us and that's how little time is left. Like, yeah, yeah, They go to the clock
3: a lot and they get use of it for sure. Yeah. A lot harder to, I guess, explain to somebody who doesn't know football uh, why a touchdown is six yeah, points. Right. And yeah. a field goals three, but extra maybe points seven,
1: but maybe eight, depending yeah, on the situation. It's been, it's if you pick it so badly, you can get it back. It's yeah. Fine. So it's
2: it's fourth and three. It'd be a fifty-six yard field goal. I don't. There's fifty seconds left. Why are we
3: rehashing last <laughs> night's game?
2: <laughs>
3: I need uh, another drink.
2: Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I think the only other thing I I definitely want to mention is at the end they go through like the real life players and, like, show their headshots and everything. And, like, really everyone depressing. works in finance. Like, every, all, yeah, right. They're all financial analysts. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. And the only bad one was like, working toward his bachelor's degree in something. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> sorry, but this, this is counting
1: is... the years. <laughs> yeah. Like, hold on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, no shame.
3: Good, good. Good on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Absolutely. Um... So I guess the transition here is from accessible hockey movies to just like wildly inaccessible, very depressing, uh, not really a hockey movie. Um, Indian Horse is the story of a kid coming up in the residential schools in, in Canada in the 1950s and kind of how uh, he gets the opportunity to play hockey um, and how that isn't necessarily a reprieve or anything although i will say the tagline for this movie is god awful um let me see if i can find this it is saul is a great native hockey player who overcomes racism in the 1970s then ultimately becomes tempted by alcoholism
2: Whoops! No, nope. <laughs> nope. one, nope. not with the. Movie is. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
4: not I was of the the alcohol- accurate. Also is, the alcoholism is completely unrelated. It just what? happens to yeah. occur at the end.
3: Alcoholism isn't the thing that tempts people. <laughs> <Yeah. It's- laughs> Tempted by alcoholism <laughs> overcomes racism. Some really tough phrases in cool. there. That,
2: yeah. That's some classic mission accomplished banner bullshit.
3: <laughs> but does anyone want to guess, guess what the the tagline was for this? Yeah, produced by Clint Eastwood? Yeah, that's basically it. Uh, it was, you have the gift, you have the vision. Which what I assume is a line from the movie. Than, no one it, knows it, what
2: it is. Better than, uh,
4: <laughs> It's better than you are Glory. Oh, boy. It's better than um, a drinkable beer you can taste. That's that's true. No, it's not. <laughs> no.
3: Um, yeah, t- uh, tough movie. Uh, I think bears mentioning that uh, off the top that it's produced, adapted, directed by non-native people. Um, I-, I think the toughest thing for me was reading that uh, I was trying to f- see what the director's history was and uh, basically just like a Clint Eastwood fanboy who uh eventually ended up working for Clint Eastwood's uh, production company and read the book right. uh, he a Canadian himself did not know about the residential school systems read the book and then 6 months before it went into production basically uh yelled at Clint Eastwood and said I have to direct this movie um and I got to say it shows
2: yeah yeah um just just to give a little bit of background for those who might not be aware um is the residential school system itself um so that was uh it was um canada's the christian churches for native amer- or christian schools for uh native Americans assimilation schools but, basically. yeah assimilation schools and you know there was a bunch of abuse, both sexual and physical um you know, stripping away the culture of the native people, you know, forcing them to not speak in their own native language. Some horrific tragedies, more and more, a lot of murder. More and more um, is being revealed about it, you know, as this goes on, you know, just in what, May or March or something, there were Mm -hmm. a a bunch of bodies discovered at a few residential. It's just like the whole thing's terrible. So this touches on um, that as a... The the hockey is a vehicle to tell a story of someone who was abused in a residential school, and that that idea for a story I was super like intrigued by and wanted to see a movie made of. And apparently, the book is quite good. Um, I am not as down on this movie as I think a few others. I didn't think it was great. It's super heavy handed. It it tells it doesn't show. But I don't think it's poorly structured. I think, you know, you at least you don't get the classic reprieve at the end and it all works out pretty well. Um, It's just a kind of punishing movie through and through. Um, And that is just a little tough for a topic that is very tough.
3: Yeah. To clarify, this is a big swing and miss. I think it's a fine movie. It's just like, yeah, it's hard to swing and miss on a topic like this.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's ultimately what what uh, hurt it the most for me, I think if it was an entirely fictional story I wouldn't like it and uh, if it being uh, based in fact and about a subject that not nearly enough attention has been drawn to within film and within sort of uh, like you know we're as as all this sort of stuff is being uncovered we're talking about you know discovering all these bodies back in like earlier this year the the National Truth and Reconciliation Day which just happened on the 30th um like to have that story uh, while I while I agree Zach that I think the the fact that there's not a and it all worked out spin at the end which would have been problematic its own way um I'm I'm thankful for that at the same time it felt like um for a lot of the movie it felt like that there was a distance between you and the trauma where it felt more voyeuristic and more like we were it was somebody who didn't know this experience was just kind of like giving you this hitting you over the head with this litany of trauma without understanding how to show you that as a lived experience and so it felt um it I I feel like that's where you get into this idea of if you have more attachment to the story, it's not purely your identity, but I think that's a huge factor. If you have more connection to the story, there's oftentimes more capability to know how to tell that story in a way that will allow you to um, convey the depth of it and not just the litany of trauma. And that's what it came off as. It felt like if we hit you over the head with enough of this stuff, you'll know that it was bad.
4: Yeah, I think... uh... You know, Chris, you said it was a swing and a miss. I think it was a foul tip. I think they were like, it's the right idea and they were kind of getting at it. But kind of like you said, Nate, like it just didn't like put you there. If you there was a distance it felt. Um, and I think I think a big part of that is like language. Like I feel like like, for example, uh one of his teammates on his new team at one point said, like, don't make me look bad. I feel like realistically, there was probably a lot more in all of it cursing and all and I get they were trying to like keep it um, a little more on the PG side somehow, even though it's like such a heavy topic. I don't really know what the. Aim, I feel like you got to commit or make it like a really happy kids movie. Like there's no other way. And making it a happy kids movie would not do no. Do justice at all. Yeah. So they just didn't commit to that. So it felt like okay, you're seeing them get beat up, and there was like some physical violence there. And I feel like you know you're kind of put into those situations face to face. But like I feel like there was a lot more verbal abuse that was done, and that would kind of make it hit home a little bit more and really you know, start to take pieces away at that window that you're really looking through. Um, So, yeah, I think it's a foul tip, right idea, but just very poor execution uh, and making you feel like, oh, shit, like it's more than this guy just being like this is inconvenient and turned to alcoholism like it, <laughs> it
1: felt like they're really simplifying it well okay it but to, after he overcame racism
3: just
4: he decided to quit because he saw beer and he's, was like he saw
3: alcoholism <laughs> and said that looks great let me try that
4: and then he's like you know what I
2: overcame the alcoholism and I'm going to work <laughs> in the mine the rest of my life. Like that. Like, yeah. The, the happy ending is he works yeah. in a small town coal mine. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man.
0: I, I, I'll kind of piggyback off of everything that you guys said. Cause I, I definitely felt all those things with the depth and, and the issues there. And I think it was one of the few movies where as I was watching it, I felt like it could have benefited from an hour more of movie to, Really, I think that the thing that was missing for me was kind of developing those relationships that really made you care about the things. Like you had the touches with Lonnie and you had the touches with the girl that ends up killing herself and stuff like that. But you never really felt like emotionally invested in those characters. Obviously you care for them as people and as oppressed people and people that are being abused and that sort of thing. But I feel like there could have been a little bit more development of the the relationships between Saul and those people so that it kind of hit home a little bit more. And I feel like they kind of just skimmed by it and kind of used it as a tool. Um, And sort of like Drew said, I feel like they never just really committed to a thing. They didn't really commit it to like, all right, this is going to be centrally focused on hockey. They didn't really commit and say, Hey, we're going to really just focus on the the residential schools and get it right. They kind of got pieces of all of it and tried to put it all together. And I I think the narrative obviously of, of trying to keep to a somewhat real story uh, handicaps you there in a way, but I also think that there was a way they could have dove in there a little bit more and, and tried to, just develop it a little bit more and make you care about each of the things that's happening as it's unfolding.
2: I, I don't know if I'm giving the movie too much credit, but I did kind of think mm-hmm. that at least for me, it felt like he wasn't even afforded the opportunity to get close to some of those people because of the way the school is set up and because of the strict rules and structures and the fact that he couldn't even speak, you know, his own native language with, um, I'm forgetting the name of. Um, of lani was the language where where it felt like you know and i feel like we have to talk about spoilers in this um for the quote-unquote reveal at the end that the one priest that is not portrayed as a physical abuser turns out to be a sexual abuser um and i don't think it was a total like the good guy is the bad guy all along. I think you get a little bit of hints of some trepidation and some distance between Saul and and the priest, but you know it it kind of showed that it there was never any reprieve for students in the residential school system, and this was a showcase of it. And that kind of worked for me as a, a plotting structure, um, as far as writing and the way those are portrayed you know that missed a little bit
3: on on paper for sure and i I would be interested to read the the originating text because on paper it does work like if you're talking through like that that kind of story that that's compelling um the the jarring way in which it's kind of like dropped on you doesn't feel earned in any way um it's not it's not set up well um there's there's just a lot of very jarring like the age jumps uh, because there are time jumps and the the character of saul is played by three different actors and those time jumps feel really jarring like there's no there's no real catching up between like it kind of feels like a different actor playing the same character at the same age like nothing has happened between there's there's no kind of explaining what's happened it's it's just kind of like okay now we need to somehow signify that time has moved without uh doing putting in the work to make sure people understand what's happened in that time. Yeah, there's
1: I, I think if you wanted to, you could do like a purely mechanics focused critique of this, which I think that, that's where a lot of the sort of like newer director, unseasoned director stuff comes up, um, even before you get into conversations about the identity. Um, I think specifically with this this sort of reveal at the end of of um hot Dario Naharis um, for those Game of Thrones fans who is decidedly not, uh, <laughs> not that in this movie, um, his reveal as an abuser, I think the way that it's deployed feels like it's contingent on an expectation that you as a viewer are going to think that he's a better person earlier in the movie, rather than watching the movie and seeing this person who is completely complicit and a horrible person Just not the most active physical abuser is also a physical abuser, right? And like that, that's why I think that turn felt like such a failure for me because it felt like this moment of being like, wait, did you, did you think that I thought that he was cool and now I'm shocked (laughs) that
4: he's not? For me, there was like a little bit of hope there, but totally just kind of saw that they eventually you're going to realize, oh, he was
3: bad, if not. The character of a priest in a residential school is already the bad guy.
4: Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. And like you would think – but the little bit of hope I had was like he's helping him – he's helping Saul get out and it's like, oh, maybe he's realizing like this is a bad thing and he's going to help some kids. Like, yo, come be super gifted at hockey and that's the only thing I see in you and that's why I'll get you out, not because you're a human being – but uh <laughs> I, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. just a so, little bit of hope there. But it, yeah, in the end, it was like this the, was that was the most you've really felt like that was the biggest plot twist.
3: Well, the, the other scene place. that kind of confirms that uh, everything that we've just been saying is the the one scene where they meet again for the first time since he yeah. leaves. Which where it's like, like such
1: a confounding choice to put that in if you're going to then reveal it.
3: Yeah, because. The, the idea is that he admits that everything that was going on was bad. And so now, once again, to your point, Nate, am I supposed to like, is this supposed to be like further confirming that this is like a good guy? Because if he's just now realizing that all those things are, are bad, then no, that makes him worse.
2: I, I, I kind of took it as even, even the people that weren't like, like everyone was bad in the system like that. And it was different veins and the people that think they are doing good by doing these acts of service where he gets them out of the school. are still fucking abusers. You yeah. know, if you participate in this kind of thing Um and it, I think it's what I took it as is his, him trying to give himself an excuse for how he acted Um and less so in admission um, and more trying to convince himself.
0: I agree with that. Uh, I'm going to jump in with a a lighter part here where I one of my favorite scenes was uh, when they were first deciding to let Saul go and you have like the one hardcore sister who's like, we can't let him abandon God and blah, blah, blah. And then there's like the headmaster father and he's pretty much just like, well, yeah, Jesus, but, like, did you see those deeks? Like, God gave him a silky mitt for something.
2: Put <laughs> <laughs> him out there. Like,
0: his
4: whole
2: mission,
0: he's so God, committed to the residential school Yo, you system see that him he's committing that all this abuse.
4: <laughs> yeah, but
0: then he's just like, all right, I mean, I'm all for God, but you see that kid's clapper. Which, he's like, got I'm- something
1: I There's has this child. I sincerely hope that they like got that that was like a, a condemnation of the residential school and are not like, yeah, look at this good priest. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like I can see like, it going either way. But it is like, yeah, that that sequence was unbelievable because it was just like, oh, cool. Like, as soon as you get someone who can do something that you think looks cool, like, great, send them, yeah, awesome, cool. All those regulations we have, yeah, toss them out. Wild. The Brisbane Birds podcast is sponsored
0: by DraftKings. Hockey is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any hockey game and win hundreds of dollars in free bets if either team scores a goal. It doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a death deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily's Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit down with the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any hockey game and win a hundred in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net bets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wage required. One per customer. Work restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook. For details, gambling problem, call Win at 100 Gambar.
2: Yeah, it turns out not the most moral. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Watch Spotlight for more of the Christian.
3: Is Spotlight the only movie that has uh, more decent Boston accents than Miracle? Um, moving on to Slapshot?
4: Ooh yes, happy, happy times. Oh, depending on who to- you ask. <laughs> I guess. But, yeah, I think it, it was just gonna be i oh, don't know it's less heavy yeah it's heavy. definitely it's definitely That's happier a, yeah
3: i wasn't saying like i mean <laughs> but depending the on the same me, amount of time. piss in this yeah, movie, same though. amount of alcoholism maybe more um, yeah. yeah so slapshot story of uh paul newman being a little older than uh, he was in the previous films that we did on uh ballot <laughs> uh still hot yeah um even with the teeth Certainly portrayed that way. Um, yeah, it's a story about a, a minor league or independent league hockey team uh, in a fictional town, assuming somewhere in the middle of Pennsylvania, um, where the the owner... The, so the, the mill of the town is going under, and so the owner's worried about people not attending hockey games. Obviously, that would be a problem. Uh, it's like the 19 fifties, nineteen sixties or is it later? Seventies. It was made in oh, seventy seven. So it takes place in, in
2: yeah, more or less real time. It just it's West Virginia, so it looks like it's twenty years behind the times. So. Oh is yeah, is right. it West Virginia? Yeah, it's Charlestown, West Virginia. When did they uh when did they start wearing helmets in hockey?
4: Uh, uh it was grandfathered in. So I don't think until like early two thousands, late nineties, it was like Jesus that everyone had them because, because, because the of by the 90s, by the 90s, it was like probably 90, 95% of players. That happy. was There's not the internet. I was
3: not <laughs> prepared for that.
4: No, he oh, okay. it, it, also just grandfathers everything. Like, Chara is one of the last players to not have a visor now.
3: Yeah, if, it, yeah he since he's been in the league for – 20 years he's not well, he's
4: actually in the movie, he was he's been playing since then. <laughs> <Yeah. so.
3: laughs> how,
1: how does that line up with when were concussions invented? What, what was uh, get on we'll, get, we'll get to that in Ice Garden about <laughs> 2014?
4: Actually, yeah, okay, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, so the, the mill's going under, the owner's trying to sell the team, and basically, it's uh, this team's last year, um, and they're trying anything they can to try and. Uh, gin up some sort of uh, revenue and maybe try to find a buyer somewhere else specifically in Florida and uh, hilarity ensues and oh boy some problematic stuff <laughs> ensues
2: <laughs> Let, let's focus on the hilarity to start because I feel like there's a lot of that in this yeah mm. Uh, so i will
3: say about the problematic things it's mostly like th- the era in which this film was made and i think yeah. probably accurately captures what hockey right. players in it feels, in the it 90s feels very
1: representative of what people in these situations oh, yeah. would be doing it doesn't, it doesn't feel like feel it's
2: glorifying right
1: yeah. it doesn't feel like it's going out of the way being like isn't this cool it it doesn't feel like it's necessarily condemned either but no it, like it's it's certainly different than like there are other examples of this stuff that we run into that
3: this is like what I would expect these people would be saying to each other on the rink. Um, uh, so I'll start off by saying I think the Hanson brothers are maybe some of the best uh, character inventions uh, in the history of sports cinema. Phenomenal. Um, unbelievable.
0: I was a Hanson brother for Halloween once.
1: Hell yeah. Pretty t-shirts
0: awesome. and everything. Yeah, I couldn't afford a jersey because I was in like high school. So I just got T-shirts printed, me and my buddy, and we taped our glasses up and shit. It was a good time.
3: I I think their their introduction, uh, trying to get a quarter back from the the vending machine is incredibly perfect. And then I think the thing that cemented them on this latest rewatch as one of my favorite things ever is uh, the scene where Paul Newman's trying to give this kind of like low, subtle speech about just like, you know, kind of taking it to the other team. And then they respond by going, yeah, let's go. Let's go it <laughs> so was just like, yeah, what they said. <laughs> Tentral
4: in the knuckles. Him,
3: fuck him up! I love
4: this movie just because <laughs> it has the single greatest shift in hockey history in it. Um, with the Hanson brothers. uh Just, just the, tearing it up.
3: Their introductory shift.
4: Yeah, I, I think that, like, Mario Lemieux, first shot, first goal, the Hanson Brothers. Like, I think that's... that's, <laughs> that's In not. no particular order. Um, yeah, yeah, no particular order. I think, uh, for me, it's a lot of nostalgia. I watched this, like, probably younger than I should have watched it, but my dad was like, you're watching Slapshot. I was probably, like, eight or nine. Um, and I... I just I've watched it so many times since and you know as I got older I understood more like oh yeah definitely shouldn't have paid witness to this when I was that age <laughs> but uh um yeah it was the first time I saw breasts on television wow so, With so- Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh it's just it yeah, it's a, and I think for the time too, the footage of hockey itself, like, like it was really good. It was really good if you're considering the era. Um, you know, I think if it it's on par with Miracle in that way because of just noting the era uh, difference there uh totally. when the movies were made. I think that's three decades apart because Miracle was early two thousands. Yeah, this is early seventies. Yeah, so almost three decades apart um yeah classic absolute classic just i think qualifies
2: as one of those comedy classics that like, some of the one-liners in this are just like, yes <laughs> uh, unreal i i genuinely almost did a spit take i'm listening to the fucking, the fucking song, song. <laughs> One of the best
3: lines in all of it's, cinema. It's honestly. long been my favorite line from this movie. Um, Unbelievable. Even
0: just the one shots of like the classic shot of him like in ups crossing each other at the red line, he just knocks him out like that. Yeah, that but, little yeah. clip is just like instantly like oh slap shot great
2: movie like. Can hit you A with lot those. more sticks to the side of the head than I. Expected. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. A, uh,
3: I mean, up, <laughs> I, I learned from Ice Guardians that.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, good hockey. There are many ways
2: yeah uh, the the one other like bigger picture thing i do want to say is i do like that this is kind of an anti-sports movie movie where what do they do at the end they just beat the fuck out of each other and and lose and, and get sold and go to a different <laughs> team you know like <laughs>
3: the guy from twin peaks takes off all of his clothes
2: in in a mm-hmm. very long scene yeah <laughs> Um, Almost as long so, as Ice Guardians. I, yeah. So I, I did. I did want to ask what you guys
3: think the thesis statement of this movie is based on how the movie um, ends. Uh, I, I think it's, it's get, very hard to figure out what that is.
4: I think it's get pucks in deep, uh, throw some bodies, uh, go to the corners, go to the dirty yeah. areas. <laughs> I think it's guys. basically just that. I think it's just what you hear from every hockey player interview ever, just summarizes in, a, in the film.
2: Yeah, I I don't know, but I don't know if it's. I think it's not teamwork, is what I figured. Out. <laughs> Certainly not teamwork. No, it's a. Very, it
1: feels very nihilistic. It feels yeah. very like nothing matters. It's fine. It's just like a like it's a it's proto Joker. It's watch the world burn, like it, you yeah. know. And and I think that works for it. It Just you know, it's the entire concept is like it's not going to work out. So do something that's going
3: to yeah, yeah fuck. It. <laughs> Uh, I, I actually I do really like the ending because I as the movie goes along I was I was paying more attention to what like the things that I expected to happen versus what actually happens. And you do get that character, I forget what the character's name is, but it's the guy from Twin Peaks who is like I guess the other main character to Paul Newman. He's and the like,
4: other attractive guy in the movie. In that's, his that's his whole really thing sure. is I'm not I'm not gonna fight him. <laughs>
3: And so mm-hmm. I think a you know, a different movie might be convincing that guy like, oh, he needs to like fight and show that he can uh, get down with the big boys to get his wife back. And like that in the 1970s, that doesn't seem too far fetched of of a plot. And no, the the thing is, he just like goes and makes an ass out of himself because fuck it, this team's not going to exist tomorrow anyway um and may, showing that he's not like uptight
2: or anything I guess is kind of the the ending of that movie yeah I'm just uh happy we had another entry into the Harlan County USA cinematic universe yeah so
1: workers rights <laughs>
2: Spo- spoiler for my uh Lakeith Stanfield award yeah. <laughs> um the
1: soundtrack for this movie is phenomenal really amazingly great like front to back just absolute bangers
4: love it yeah
3: um there's some right. sirens uh yeah, oh, yeah so that's that's me i live in new, new york city, city.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's me i'm in vermont in the woods <laughs>
3: <laughs> that would be very worrisome if there were sirens Yeah, that, that means some shit's going down <laughs> uh, yeah uh, not great um all right so this is the time at which we will cut between Bruins and Bruins
4: podcast